Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. So my name is Tim Barton, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Vine. And we're coming into a new series, um, and and this series is in Genesis, and the series is called In the Image of God. Now, if I I pause that for a minute, and I just want you to think about something. What image do you want people to see when they look at you? Or how do you want people to view you? Now, we can say, um, I don't really care how people view me. It's not about that. But evidence would would, um, suggest the contrary. Because when you get up in the morning... Do you just walk out of the house like you look when you got out of bed? No, we kind of care. There's some social norms there, all right? Or when you're posting a picture on social media and and you you decide to take a picture, I'll go to some of us who are older in a minute and not from social media, but you're getting ready to take the picture, right? And and you're, you're taking that picture and you see this picture, this beautiful picture of someone in the Mediterranean or, you know, visiting there and you, you see the sea behind them. But if you could only see what was on the left and the right and, and all the, the rubble or different things, because we set up these perfect images because we want people to see that our life like that. Right. Or you use the filters on social media to make things look maybe, quote, better than they are um, for some of us who are older. One of my favorite things to always do, I always made fun of my family, my extended family, even as a teenager, I thought, this is so dumb. We're all getting over here and we got to look all perfect in this picture. And I would always sit there and snap pictures of all the chaos with all the little kids and everything when you're trying to gather them together, because those were my favorite pictures. I'm like, that's real. This other stuff is just this fake thing you want everybody else to see. It's okay to take family pictures. I'm not telling you not to. Um, but, you, but, but how people view us, we care about that. Right? We care about that. But I also want you to understand, I want us to understand that the Bible has something to say about that. And that's what this series um, is about. But today we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look in verses 26 through 27 to begin with. So as you turn there, and this will be on the screen behind me, I remind you that this is God's word. Genesis 1, beginning in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The Bible teaches us that we were created by God. That is the context of of this whole series. Um, And and so to get that, I want us to back up for a minute. Um, Back to verse 1 of chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And here it says, Genesis 1, verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I'm going to stop there um, because that gives us enough context to understand what we're going to look at this morning. 
There's three very quick things that I, that I want to set as the foundation here from that verse, from those verses. Number one, God created everything. All right, the Hebrew word here, bara, is to create. That, that, there are other verbs um, that are in Hebrew that talk about make um, and, and mold and that kind of thing. But this word is used only when God is the subject. God created. Also here, um, just so you know, there's no single word in, in Hebrew, there's no single word for the universe. And I was just this morning was told that um, with scientists with a telescope have discovered that there is a, um, a whole other galaxy 160 times larger than the Milky Way, okay, um, created with order. And, and so the universe is big. The Israelites didn't have one word to describe the universe. And so it was always this phrase to describe the whole, which was heavens and earth. And so God created the heavens and the earth, the universe. God created all things. God created everything. We also see in verse 2 that he created from nothing. The, verse, the, the, the earth was empty and void. There was no preexistent matter. God created all things from nothing. Number three, we see that God created by his own word, or, the, or um, we said by the word of his power. All right? So that means he spoke things into existence. He didn't have to use molding clay, right? He spoke things into existence. Now, you may not believe that this morning, but I want to be super clear that the Bible does teach it. The Bible says it happened this way. And I also want to be clear that it is important for us, it, it is important to understand that this is true, because it affects the way we look at the rest of our sermon, the rest of this series, the rest of the Bible. And, and most important, it affects how we're to understand God and live in response to him. Now, again, you may believe something different about the origins of the universe. But please know that a different view will affect or minimize your view of who God is. And it will minimize your understanding of the depth of need that we all have for this God who creates and sustains life, how, how much we need relationship with him. And so I want to ask you just to, to consider that as we continue this morning. Also, one other quick note. We may in this room, as followers of Jesus, disagree with the lengths of days of creation. Some believing they were 24-7 days. Others believing the word day represents a longer, undefined period of time. We may disagree whether what we see in Genesis 1 is literal or if it's a literary framework, but here's, here's what I want to make sure we are, we are all on the same page with, is that God alone, that the Bible teaches that God alone is the author and creator of all things, of all life, and that he created it from nothing, and that he is the most, power, he is the most powerful in being able to speak it into creation. Because it's in that context that we come to the creation of man, of mankind, man and woman. And it's in that context of God creating uh, that we understand why it is so important that mankind, that you and me, were created in the image of God. Because being created in the image of God, we're going to see, means we have value and we have purpose. So first, let's look at the value we have in being created in his image. 
We were created with value. Uh, verse, look back to verse beginning of verse 26, just the first part of it. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So three things here in the first part of this verse. First, let us, all right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were each active in creation. One God, three persons. I don't expect you to grasp all that. People have been writing about it and studying it for years, but the Bible does teach it. One God in three persons um, were present at creation. Verse 2, we see that the Holy Spirit, um, what, so God the Father initiated in, in verse 2, the Holy Spirit was hovering over all that was happening. And then later in the Bible, in the New Testament, we see even, an even clearer picture that Jesus the Son was at work in creation. You remember some of those places? John 1 is one of them, right? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And here, I don't have time to preach a sermon on John 1. When it says the Word here, it's talking about Jesus. And the Word made His dwelling among us. So in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. And the word Jesus was with God, and the word Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then in Colossians 1, verses 15 through 17, speaking of Jesus the Son, um, it's, it's confirmed, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Why does all that matter? Well, it matters for multiple reasons. But one is that it indicates that there was a relationship. There was relationship before God created man. One of, the, one of the things that we don't have that God has is self-sufficiency, right? There was relationship God for creation. And so it demonstrates to, that, that there is an eternal relationship, and that's part of why we long for, we were created for relationship when we were created in the image of God. And so then he goes on, let us now... In our image, we have value because we were created in the image of God. This word, um, the, the Hebrew word here for image is something that is cut from an object. Um, in biblical language and, and also just the ancient Near Eastern culture, it was specifically used to refer to when a king um, would build a statue or something, it would cut a statue out of the rock. Um, and the whole idea of that was to build a statue in his likeness so people wouldn't forget who was in charge, right? Even when he was off doing something else, people wouldn't forget. He's the king, he's in charge, uh, but it was, it was in his image. The fact, though, that it's a, and, well, let me say this, too. In that culture, um, Karen and I this weekend, there on Friday, we went to the, and I'm not going to try to say the Egyptian king's full name, but the King Tut exhibit. Well, that's how I learned it, just King Tut. It's simpler that way. Um, but we went to that exhibit, and, and it's got a, the replica of all these things that were found in his tomb when it was discovered. And all the images that he had of himself and of false gods and all these things, by the time we got to section like 21, Karen said, he had a lot of stuff, Right? There was this fear, yeah, I know there's some afterlife stuff too, but there was this idea of create all these things 
so that people wouldn't forget, so that people could see. When this is applied to humans at creation, it's an indication that we as humans are meant to be God's representatives on earth. And therefore, we're to have a character and a being that reflects the character and being of God. It also says we were created after our likeness, after his likeness. So this reemphasizes what we see with, with image. The after phrase here, some of your Bibles may translate that according to our likeness. Okay, so we have image. This after is a, what's called an explanatory preposition. Right, what does that mean? Well, it takes the previous prepositional phrase in our image and it connects it to the next preposition, um, a likeness. And so it's this explanatory preposition between those two things, those two phrases connected together. Why does all that matter? You don't have to remember that. Here's what you need to remember, okay? You need to remember that likeness, image, in the image of God is super important. It is foundational to who we are. You know, I have three boys. People tell me all the time, who, people who knew me as a teenager, um, and then I post things on social media or I send pictures to family. They're like, they look just like you. But they all look different. How do they all look like me? But they look just like you. It's that reflection um, because of genetics. Um, they also, unfortunately, at times act like me. Um, but uh, the, the, it's that, that picture, that reflection um, because of um, being my children. Well, we were created in the image of God to reflect who he is. All mankind, that is, all men and women, are in and after the image of God, being made both in and according to his image. That means we are valued and we are set apart from the rest of creation. So what does that look like? We have a personality, right? It's made up of knowledge and feelings and will. It gives us the ability to reason, to love, um, to worship when the rest of creation cannot, or at, or at least not the same level that we can. It means we have a sense of morality. Everybody in here and everybody you come in contact with has some sense that there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. Do you remember when you first realized, you first realized in your life at some point, wow, this isn't right. Wow, this is wrong. Everybody has that. We believe it's because we were created in the image of God. It also means that we were made, and we've touched on this already, but we were made for communion with God and with one another. We were created with the longing for and the capacity for communion with God and one another. Now, all those things are examples of, of what, we, what a theological term we use. Um, those are all examples of what are called the communicable attributes. All right? It means the things that can be communicated uh, that, that w through us um, that, that reflect God. And this is the intrinsic value we are given at creation reflect his image. They're what set us apart. 
They're what give distinction. And now let's look at that a little further in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This verse does two things. First, the, the three-time the three rep, uh, repetition of create means that the writer of Genesis really wanted us to understand that God created mankind, right? Triple, God created, God created, God created. Francis Schaeffer, a theologian and scholar, said, it's as though God put exclamation points here to indicate that there is something special about the creation of mankind. God created all mankind. In his image. And so that means all that stuff we said before about the value, that applies to all people. It applies to male and female. And it means that male and female were created with equal value and were equally intended to reflect the image and the purpose of God the Creator. But it also means that male and female were created with distinction. Some were created male, some were created female. Our world tells us we get to decide that. The Bible doesn't. And that can be hard, it can be hard to swallow for if, if, if most of what you've learned is what the world teaches. The Bible says God the creator decides. The Bible teaches us though, that this distinction was for a purpose. John's going to touch on more of the purpose, one of the purposes next week, which is to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth, to do it. We're going to see part of the purpose that we were created with purpose from verse 26. Then God said, the second, so we said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Then he continued, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Mankind was given authority over all creation before the fall. We're to rule over everything but God. Why don't we rule over God? I wasn't a trick question, right? It's because he's God. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. But our purpose is to rule over all creation. What does rule mean, though? Right? It means to care for. It means to take care of, to steward, to have dominion over. But be clear that we only have that because God gave it to us. And we're to reflect who he is in that way. And so that means caring for plants and animals, acknowledging them as part of God's provision, not destroying the earth with reckless abandon. It also means, though, not worshiping it. Not worshiping the created things over the creator. Not treating those things as if they themselves were God. You see, that comes because of a distorted purpose and a distorted value. If I ask you to everybody to blurt it out, you would, you would know the answer to this, right? Where did the 
um, where did the distorted purpose and value, distorted value come from? But let me just say it. It was confused and distorted when Satan tempted Adam and Eve. And through that temptation, sin entered the, well, not the temptation itself, but through their uh, falling into the temptation, sin entered the world through their disobedience. Do you remember what they were tempted with? I ask this a lot, but we need to remember this because it's what we're tempted with all the time, even though we don't call it that. Right? What were they tempted with? To be like God. To be God. To be able to decide who they wanted to be, to be able to decide what gave them value, what gave them purpose, to be able to decide what everyone else had to do, to have control. And they gave in. That sounded pretty good to them. And in their disobedience, this is the part we often forget, that in their disobedience, they abdicated their responsibility, their role. And we're told Adam as the covenant head was the primary one responsible for that. They abdicated that responsibility and they gave it to Satan, to the evil one. And so we talk about him being the prince of this world. He's not going to win, right? We know that Jesus comes. He's not going to win, but he, is, he does have ability to wreak havoc here. And that's where the purpose and the value are confused. Because to Satan's pleasure, it's taking glory away from God. Satan doesn't even, you know, so often he, he's not even trying to like give me glory. It's not about go worship him. It's about, nope, as long as man worships himself or something other than God, then I'm winning. That's where value, distinction, purpose are distorted every day. And it's where we begin to think that, that we get to decide what makes an other, another person valuable or another person not valuable. There's examples of that all around us, aren't there? Whether it's the treatment of the unborn or the treatment of the elderly or viewing the lives of another people group as lesser or being unwilling to forgive someone because you think their sin is worse than yours. But it can also be seen inside and outside the church and where we're trying to establish our own individual image. I can make myself who I want to be and I can validate, my, I validate myself by doing so. And here's the thing. If things had stayed how they were, had stayed how they were, if God had not intervened then this thought process, this I can make myself who I want to be, I get to decide my value, I get to decide everybody else's value, that would make perfect sense to approach the world that way. Even as followers of Jesus, well, I guess technically not. But God promised Adam and Eve that he would intervene. They looked forward in faith to the promise the promise of Jesus to come. God made good on that promise because Jesus through came, he lived the perfect life. He died on the cross to pay for our sin that, that died the death that we couldn't do. And he rose again, defeating the power of sin. 
He made good on his promise. And because of that, those who come to faith in him, our image is being renewed in Christ. Why do we say that? Look at Colossians 3. Verse 9 through 10, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. The value, the distinction, the purpose that we so long for, our, our image in Jesus has been restored. It's been declared to be restored. The theological term for that is first justification, what we just talked about, but then adoption, right? We have been adopted as sons and daughters of Jesus when we come in faith, right? We are his, we belong to him. And because of that, we are being, this says, renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. We are being sanctified. That is the other theological language. We are being made more and more to look again like Jesus. To reflect the image that we were given at creation but that is now being restored and renewed. And the Bible says that, that yes, all mankind has value. We all have purpose. The sense of lost purpose, the sense of lost value comes from sin and brokenness. Now, there are a lot of factors in our lives. I'm not, I'm not saying that it all comes from your direct sin, right? It comes from, all, there's all sorts of things that we have to deal with in life and learn about and, and, and grow in. I get all that. But, but at the root of it all, it is because there is sin and brokenness in this world that we struggle with finding value and purpose. It's only in Jesus. It's only in being adopted as his son's and daughters. And that's important. Because it shows us that lasting and value, lasting value and purpose, all those things we strive for can only be found, can only be ultimately restored in Him. So for all of us, it leaves us with, with two options, really. Right? One option is because our image, the Bible says, is established. It leaves us with two options. One is that image can be restored in justification and living as adopted sons and daughters. It can, it can be in the, that, that restored and then in the process of being restored in Jesus, right? We are being renewed day by day. Um, that means that um, he is changing us and ultimately in the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation, that will be fully fulfilled. By the way, that's called glorification, if you want the theological term for that. Um, but he's at work in those things. And so we can either say, yes, Lord, do that in me. But if we're not saying that, what we're saying instead is, actually, I'm going to ignore that need in my life. I'm going to ignore the image that God has given, and I'm going to continue in this brokenness. For followers of Jesus, though, it means even more. Because if we are being restored, here are the ways we see that. If we are being restored, 
because we've had faith in Jesus, then we can now fight and battle the sin that's in our lives. We can battle those things. Again, it's not going to be perfect till we're in heaven, right? <laughs> but we can battle those things. He's given us power to do so through the spirit that lives within us. And we can have growing relationship with him. We can begin to reflect his glory more clearly in our workplace. We can begin to reflect his glory more clearly to our, to our um, families, to our spouses, to our children, to our parents. But it also means this. Is that we can see, you know, you remember what Jesus taught the disciples in the Lord's Prayer? We can begin to see and be a part of seeing and pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Will it come completely here before Jesus returns? No. He's going to restore, recreate, renew the new heavens and the new earth. But we can be part of seeing the glimpses of Jesus renewing his people here. What does that look like? It looks like us submitting to him and praying for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And it looks like us being part of seeing that happen. Living out all of his, again, communicable attributes. I go back to that word. You know what those are? If I, some of those, it's his being, his, like who he is, his wisdom, his power, his holiness, his justice, his goodness, his truth, his love. All those things are things in our world that, are, that says, wow, we need more of that in the world. It comes from him. It comes from us reflecting him and growing in that and seeing that in all the places that he's put us. I was talking to um, Pastor Mark, and, and as we talked, just this, this picture kind of thought process came up. You know, if, if don't you just think for a minute, you're in your workplace, right? You're standing, you're, you're standing in your workplace or wherever, wherever you are. You know, I, we could do this with my workplace and you'd be like, yeah, but you're a pastor. That should be easier. It's just as much of a challenge every day. Maybe not just as much, but it's a challenge, right? That wherever we are, are would people tell you, if they knew what it was called, would they tell you that more and more you are reflecting the image of your creator in your workplace? Would your spouse tell you more and more they see you reflecting the image of Jesus in the way you treat them, in the way you forgive them, in the way you ask for forgiveness? Would your children tell you that? Children, would your parents tell you that? This image, would people see when they look at you? They're not going to see perfection. I can already tell you that. But did they see you growing in the image of your creator, being renewed, restored day by day? And I want to ask you to think on that for a minute. And as we prepare for the Lord's table to ask the Lord, where in my life, Lord, 
Do I need to be renewed in the image of my creator? Where in my life, where, where is a place in my life? We don't give you enough time to think through everything, right? But where is a place in my life, Lord, that I need to confess my sin before you and ask you to renew me in your image? Do that for a moment, confess that before him, and then we'll come to the Lord's table together. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.